0: half-time the first the first sentence that I said like if you have fear of failure you will not succeed you must have the guts to fail to succeed.
1: Subscribe now to the OTB football podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB sports app
2: The News Round on Off The Ball with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back Neon Night Edition available now Welcome along, folks. So, we've got a busy show for you. We'll be talking about Vera Powell's Republic of Ireland squad. This hour, Ruth Fahey will give us her verdict on the lucky 23 and the unlucky several outside of that 23. Vera Powell describing yesterday as the worst day in her career. We will be talking to Paul Rouse about his new book about modern sport in modern Ireland and that's on the way after 9 o'clock Keith Higgins will join us to talk about some Mayo Dublin we'll be talking to Sinn Féin TD, Chris Andrews who has been very critical of Robbie Keane's decision to take the managerial position at Maccabee Tel Aviv as well just after 8 o'clock so that is all on the way 53106 the text number we are at off the ball on Twitter Will O'Callaghan here in studio hello Will even Joe and Richard McCormack good evening hello Joe, how are you? Uh, Very well. So, um, well, I know it is your first story, Rich, so we might as well get into it because I think um, just from afar, this uh, naming of the squad day has been so well flagged in Mm -hmm. in advance that I, you know, without thinking about it overly, had assumed that it would be a fairly joyous day, a day of celebration, another step closer to the World Cup happening. And yet there was like almost a, sombre atmosphere more than anything. Vera Pau was talking about how she had spent much of yesterday breaking the bad news to many players who didn't make the 23. Apparently she stepped away from one interview today because she was so upset and she was quoted as saying, today it's not so much about celebrating the squad, it's more the pain we all feel of leaving players out, telling players that really stood mm-hmm. up for me that you're not taking them to the World Cup and breaking their dreams. Yesterday was the worst day of my career. So again, I wasn't anticipating the heaviness uh, in advance, but it was that kind of day.
1: Yeah I guess it speaks to the bond that's been created uh, both between the manager and player and between the players themselves over the past couple of years but Vera Pau says she has crushed the dreams of players omitted from her Republic of Ireland World Cup squad. The likes of Leanne Kiernan, Jamie Finn, Megan Campbell and Aoife Mannion are among those who won't be travelling to Australia. Two months after earning her first cap, Sinead Farrelly is included in the 23 that will travel. The Women's Premier Division is represented by Shamrock Rovers pair Anya O'Gorman and Abby Larkin and Pau says they left no stone unturned before the Deciding on our final 23
0: every week we went through all the players all the all the games every moment of every player we've seen that they have played um, and that came to that we gave a few players extra chances and um, said so every player get the chance till the last second uh, and that's exactly what we did uh, on monday night we finished at 1am we said guys we need to sleep now because the tiredness came in too much uh, 8 am. we're here again. get a few hours of sleep. Um, from that moment, we went into the training. After the training, we've seen the video again to give every single player, especially the hardest decisions to view that again. Um, and uh, we, we are convinced that we've made the right decisions, although they've been very, very hard to make.
1: Sorry, Rich. Yeah, sure. Finn, along with Harriet Scott and goalkeeper Sophie Whitehouse, will travel with the squad there as training players. And Pau says Finn's exclusion was perhaps her most difficult call to make.
0: Uh, that has been the hardest. That's been the hardest hardest decision. And of course we know that. She's been part of that squad all the time. But you've also noticed that we've changed playing system. Um, we have Kira Carusa now as a target player that brought a pain to the right side uh, with pace over the wing. And um, yeah, uh, there's also players who jumped up levels um, who've shown against uh, Zambia. you've seen them yourself. Um, so that's, uh, those options bring that you have to take tough decisions. And Jamie, especially because she played and the credits that she has, um, we've gone through every, every single video moment of her um, also the last two weeks. Um, so it's not just a moment, but you've seen also that Jamie was not involved in the last few games. And, and that's tactical. it's not because of her. And that is team sport, that is elite sport, that's football. As much as we want her to, to be part of it, so I'm so happy that she's still part of our squad, that she's traveling with us, that she will be together with Harriet Scott, full member of the squad.
2: And good day for
1: Courtney Brosnan as well. Yeah, doubly good. Of course, she's been included in that squad that will travel to the World Cup. And The goalkeeper has also seen her contract at Everton extended by a further year today.
2: I suppose on a number of the omissions, it's come down to injury. So, for instance, Eva Mannion has been in a knee brace for a month and Pau said of her situation not close at all no chance and she made her debut obviously against China earlier this year impressed everybody in about 15 minutes was probably on the plane after a half an hour and she's a big loss her ability on the ball to pass out from the back is not something The Irish defence has uh, much of, truth be told. Megan Campbell, again, no chance, a medical issue, nothing special, but privacy rules, I can't talk about it, said uh, Pow. So Campbell, again, injury. And then Ciernan, like an interesting case, Leon Ciernan, she missed most of the season with an ankle injury, played 45 minutes against Zambia, and it wasn't just a case, it seems, of the coaching staff just going by feel or judging it on their eye. They had heart rate monitors and... Pau said the data showed that the time between explosive actions was getting longer and longer during the first half against Zambia and her logic was that a World Cup will demand more energy than a friendly against Zambia so that was the decision
3: there. I think it's fair saying on Kieran as well even when she was in good form with Liverpool in the second flight in England and playing well never really got a huge look in under Vera Pau and as Vera mentioned in the couple of snippets that we heard just there, she's very much looking towards a system where she wants a target player to be up front, which is not what Leanne Kiernan brings to the team. She brings finishing, she brings agility, but she's not going to be the player to hold up the ball under the current system. So I always got the feeling it would have taken a very, very impressive run in the last few games if she was to force her way into contention. And then you hear about Finn being dropped out And that's that feeling that both the change in system and also uh, maybe a drop-off in form that the coaching team have felt because she pretty much was an undisputed starter during the qualification. We always knew there was going to be one or two players who would feel extremely hard done by. And the feeling you get is that Jamie Finn is now first reserve if anyone was to get injured. But it's still a very difficult one to take if you've played such an important role in qualification uh, to miss out in maybe the month or two just before the team actually flies out.
2: Four goalkeepers. Yeah
1: well three, is it three there's three
2: actually in plus this one, one in and the there's extra one tra- well,
1: there's one travelling as the extras and that's a and ah, okay,
2: that's a, 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 a three yeah sorry I, I thought it was billed as four goalkeepers are gone. Oh, three okay. and no, one bro, no
1: Brosnan Maloney yeah Brosnan Maloney and Megan Walsh okay. are the, the three goalkeepers and Sophie Nicholson is, is the extra yeah. uh, Harriet Scott and uh, and Jamie Finn are the outfield players that are going to travel as kind of standby
2: training players ah well that makes total sense then I have no problem with that yeah. I retract my issue with four goalkeepers there's always a bolter of some kind and come on in Izzy Atkinson, who is 22 years of age, playing at West Ham, having been at Celtic prior to that. So, in Vera Powell's first 29 matches, she played a grand total of 45 minutes. She has five caps to her name. That was before she started against Zambia last week. For that Zambia game, she wasn't even in the initial squad. She was brought in simply as a training player. But then, Megan Campbell, injury. She did well enough at left wing back. Powell needs cover for the position. And suddenly, Atkinson, you were on the plane nobody was even whispering your name three months ago.
3: Do you have a long throw, Atkinson? That's probably <laughs> what you're wondering as well. Like That's <laughs> genuinely a massive weapon that's now missing from the way that Ireland attack. I think back to the night we were here watching Hampden Park when they qualified and yeah. Megan Campbell's throws were just creating chaos inside the Scottish box. It was almost as good as getting a free kick or a corner in yeah. some occasions and that's actually something severely lost in the arsenal now by Megan Campbell not travelling.
2: It's true and let's be honest at this World Cup Ireland will most likely not dominate possession. It will be Akin to the performance we saw against the US uh, recently enough, where it was a rear guard action, and like they're pretty good at it. You know, like the the Scottish performance, the the goal that Barrett scored on the counter, that kind of is emblematic of what you might be hoping to see at this World Cup. And they're very dedicated. Katie McCabe was on the record of saying we like defending, we like being that kind of team. So when you are that kind of team, having somebody
3: whose throw ins are akin to free kicks is particularly useful so it's a a weirdly big loss Yeah no I I think they'll dig in against Australia and Canada particularly in those two games where they're likely to do very little in the ball and that could just be a relief if the ball goes out of play and you can actually send Louise Quinn or send some of the bigger players up and be an absolute menace in front of goal Yeah like picture Seth Fabregas's face against Stoke when Rory DeLamp was taking a throw in That's that's
2: kind of what you're missing out on Uh, We have some Olympians Richie yeah, we've got
1: three more today. Kelly Harrington and Michaela Walsh will be two-time Olympians following quarterfinal wins today at the European Games. Tokyo Gold medalist Harrington advanced to the lightweight semi-finals, courtesy of a win over Sweden's Agnes Alexiusen. while Walsh was a unanimous victor over the Danish featherweight Melissa Mortensen. Sligo's Dean Clancy secured a first-ever Olympic place today beating the Italian light welterweight Gianluigi Malanga in their quarterfinal. However, welterweight Amy Broadhurst and light flyweight Dana Morehouse both lost their quarterfinals today by split decision, very, very narrowly so in both cases, missing out on Olympic qualification for now. They will have other avenues to Paris. There are also quarter-final defeats today from Meath bantamweight Jennifer Lahan and Donegal light heavyweight Kellen Cassidy. Jack Marley is through to the heavyweight semi-finals following his comprehensive win over Croatia's Marco Kalic. Uh, Marley must win his semi-final and get into the final uh, to be assured of an Olympic place. And Aoife O'Rourke in the past half hour as well, through to the middleweight semi-finals in Krakow following a unanimous win over. Sweden's love, Holgersson. O'Rourke is another who must get into a final to secure an Olympic place. In Badminton today as well, There in Krakow. Uh, Nat Wen qualified for the men's singles last 16, despite a 2-0 loss to Mark Calio of the Netherlands. And last night saw the Ireland men's rugby seven side join their women's counterparts in securing Olympic qualification. They beat Great Britain 26-12 to claim European Games gold. Hugh McNulty says it's a literal dream
3: come true. I actually funny i uh when i wake up i never really remember a dream it's just like blackout i've dreamed about six six or ten times this year and each time i've had a dream it was about uh winning winning these games i'm dead serious when i say that i literally haven't haven't been dreaming that uh, for the last probably six months to a year uh in the lead up to this so uh, i'm glad it's now a reality
2: yeah amazing i mean i think if you're david new sephora uh, much criticised IRFU at large for the performance of the women's 15s. Um, In the eyes of Manny, uh, uh, that has come, that's been the cost of
3: the Sevens If he was sitting here right now, Joe, he would say the men's and women's teams are going combined to Paris and it was worth putting the investment into this. I think he would make that argument. And
2: when I arrived here, there was no Sevens programme and look at us now. Yeah. Now, why can't we have both would be the obvious uh, retort, but in fairness, it would be <laughs> be particularly damning if the women's 15s had gone massively downhill in the last decade and the sevens programme had failed to launch
3: as well. Yeah yeah the men's programme feels slightly different as well I was just thinking Terry Kennedy has been a key player for them Yeah, he was part of the Irish team that were the finalists in the under 20 World Cup the last time it was in South Africa yeah. a lot of players like the captain that time was uh, James Ryan like a load of them have gone on to play uh, Hugo Keenan I think was a sub uh, for the final that time around so a lot of these players have found a way in Keenan's case through sevens back into uh, the provincial system and it's provided that platform for those players um, which has been really important quite aside from the qualification itself and based on some of the interviews last weekend when it comes to the men's team they feel one of the bad things about last time it was dramatic the way they qualified so close to the games but they felt they didn't have a proper run in ahead of the championship itself now this time around they've got exactly a year to get ready for it and they think they're going to put in a much bigger performance than last time out And the women's team have been going really well on the seventh circuit. It wasn't even a case of having to qualify Mm. uh, through the European games for them. And they've got every reason to have high aspirations, I think, when Paris comes around because they have been playing at a high level on the world circuit for the last two, three seasons. Yes.
1: The men's team were very impressive the last couple of matches it has to be said over there in Krakow for the pressure that would have been on them to qualify having missed out on the on the regular route and having to go a slightly circuitous way around to qualifying for Paris they didn't play like like. There's a, there's a fatalism involved in being an Irish sports fan watching a team in a major final and I guess in a rugby competition like that and they didn't play the occasion at all last night they were like, more than a match for Great Britain they outplayed them uh, last night too and were worthy winners in that final and had a bit of a had a bit of a cocksureness and a, swagger-ness, a swagger about them as well in that final so that can only serve them well heading over to Paris
2: On Hugh McNulty and his reoccurring dream Will, anything you want to share? Any reoccurring dreams in your world of life? I don't get any more dreams of God Save
3: the King playing in the background which is strange <laughs> right in that clip as well that was the medal ceremony for the yeah. women's team. Yeah, yeah. You dodged the question. Yeah, I'll have to have a think about that. Um, most of my dreams come true, it seems, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Go on, Richie. Go come on, Richie. Go on, Take us into that dark soul I, I
1: think. I think as well, you know, my mind is a completely blank slate and there's nothing <laughs> comes over from that liminal space between night and day
3: uh, for me. Well, you were talking about Paul Rouse in his book. He's got a whole chapter where he talks about the idea of, you know, dreams and how important that is to sports people. And genuinely, it seems that's something that has to be encouraged with sports people. They're daydreams, though. Yeah, but like if you're not able to visualise what you want to achieve as a sports person, it's very different to real life. Because yeah, no, in real life, you have to have a reality about what you're doing and, you know, not everyone achieves their dreams. But in know, sports... I, I, I want to get into your subconscious here. I don't care about your dreams <laughs> and aspirations. Well, there you go. I,
2: I want to get into the dark stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
3: right, what's in the darkness of John
2: Maloney's mind then? Do you know, I, I definitely do dream. And I do remember them when I first wake up. And then I do what everyone does and reach for my phone and mm. go about my business and twenty minutes later I'm like, What was I dreaming about again? It's gone. So you've not quite got to the point where you get one of those dream interpretation books. Uh, and... I need to start writing. I need the second I wake up I need to write it down.
1: Mm. I'm just shocked you're sleeping at this stage of things, Joe, to be honest with you. Uh, That's yeah. enough of a surprise.
2: I relish sleep when everything no, gets together. Yeah. Um I think my dreams are generally disturbing. <laughs> 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 Welcome to therapy with Joe on a Wednesday night. <laughs> I think it's rare you wake up and go, Oh, that was great. They're always just a bit weird, no? tell us about,
1: tell us about stress dreams are a good one for me actually oh yeah yeah. go on just, just ones where you're just like yeah well good details obviously but um, <laughs> you don't you don't wake up the better of them you don't wake up the better of them like there was always that Mitch Edberg joke uh, the late brilliant comedian who talked about like his dreams are never relaxing in his dream he's always like making a go-kart with his former landlord he's just like I just want to chill out on a beach somewhere like that in my dreams I don't want to be like yes. making stuff yeah
2: no mine are never relaxing I don't think they're always no whew. This is a situation. <laughs> I've never had the old, uh, you know, I'd wake up and it's my leave insert type cliche dream. I don't know if they're real dreams. Waking
3: up in your underpants, getting ready for the Leaving Cert about to start kind that's of idea. That stuff. That stuff. Mm. 53106, your best m- dreams. Best <laughs> and best weirdest, <laughs> please. I oh we that close to misheard lyrics again eventually, yes. <laughs> this is reminiscent happened. of a phone-in show about 25 years ago would have had this as an opening slot 28th of June well, 2023 something still do well. wow, it well, that's down that's
2: it Rich available in podcast so um, Deck and Rice what are we hearing this is pretty much nailed on now
1: it's a done deal judging by things that are ticking through uh, the timeline at the moment. Um, the likes of Jacob Steinberg and Fabrizio Romano saying West Ham have just communicated to Arsenal that they will accept £100 million plus £5 million in add-ons for Declan Rice, the North London club, placing the bid last night. The difference between the clubs remains the schedule of those payments. Arsenal are wanting to spread their outlay over four years. West Ham want their money within 18 months. Uh, Manchester City pulled out of the race to sign Rice last night. Try saying that ten times fast. Uh, it seems they're not willing to match that fee that Arsenal have put forward in the past 24 hours meanwhile Arsenal have also bid 48 million euro for the Ajax fullback Jurian Timber but Rice it seems will be an Arsenal player hmm. in the coming days that does not hurt things
3: at all it's the nature of an inter-premier league transfer that this is going to cost more than Bellingham but in a way it seems remarkable that Rice is costing more than Bellingham is what was Bellingham he was 100 million euro this is going to go a reasonable amount north of that oh. Hmm yeah Bellingham's Bellingham's
1: is going to top out at 113 mm. max this is, um, this is what I think
3: 105 hun, plus add-ons are top.
1: 105 so it's going to be it's going to be pretty actually yeah I think Bellingham's is euro so it's 113 million euro whereas Rice yeah will probably be, come out around the same and yeah. you can probably make your argument over which is the better midfielder I'd still say and Amrabat is probably better than than Rice in that position but you're who am I? Available for
3: about 50 million less, I would think. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's a sign in England midfielder from a Premier League club to a Premier League club. There is the premium. You always pay that extra tax for sure. He's still a great signing for Arsenal. I
2: mean, he's a great. Acquisition. I'm curious. He's, no, he's, he's an improvement on Krnjača and uh, yeah,
1: in that position. Right. And Jack is like. And that, and that's exactly what. If you're signing a player in a position for that money, they're going to be an improvement. or they have to be an improvement on what you have? He's. I think he certainly is in that respect.
2: Um, so he's a, like. He's a very. He's a very good midfielder. I don't, yeah, there's, there's no dispute in that. He's a brilliant midfielder. Now, yeah. whether he's an all-round midfielder in the attacking sense is going to be the interesting question. You mentioned Jacka there, Richie. Like, if you think yeah. of. Xhaka this season at Arsenal when Arsenal are in possession it is Zinchenko on the ball in midfield and Xhaka is somewhere in the inside left channel and he's find me and and, and he's very much part of the attack and he's pretty good yeah. at Xhaka like I don't immediately associate Declan Rice with really quick feet and tight areas no. and he's got goals. He's got goals balls. on him. He's got four goals a this season with West yeah. Ham. So this
1: season I don't think was his best in terms of goal scoring. He has improved upon that in the past. But like I've done and no nobody uh, and, to be and,
2: fair has scored for West Ham this season. So there is yeah, it's true.
1: Mm-hmm. I've done an inordinate amount of West Ham games on Sunday's Joe uh, given the fact that they were in Thursday night action in, in the conference league. Yeah. And he does sit well he did anyway for them sit very, very deep in yeah. midfield. Like he's literally almost a third centre half in terms of how deep he comes he will bring it forward to a degree but he's not geez he's not breaking into the box with any degree of regularity and no. it's probably something that Arsenal do need And yeah. um, but he's not going to bring that maybe the change I don't know maybe That's the question. You know, Arteta can unlock that in him maybe Arteta
3: unlocks it because um, yeah they have so much creativity though further forward yeah you probably want someone to actually mind the house a bit further back who's their house minder at the moment
2: Probably party Jaka.
3: Yeah. Zinchenko will step in a little bit as well. Party it's it's stayed deeper.
2: I still yeah, there'll be a requirement on him to get forward more. Which is like good. I mean I think he does have more in him. We just haven't seen it at West Ham. So that that's the interesting aspect to paying hundred million pounds and you know he's very good at defensive
3: aspects of the game and that will be a steady presence in midfield. So don't interesting if, you don't know if he contributes going forward. Given how close Arsenal went and we all wondered were they gonna sign a finished product style player? This is dropping £100 on a ready-made England international midfielder to come directly into their team to upgrade a position which they badly needed to upgrade. So it's very, very interesting to see where Arsenal will go with the rest of their budget now. Yeah, true. More football, Rich?
1: Yeah, Edward Mendy has swapped Chelsea for Al-Ahli today. The Ivorian goalkeeper has cost the Saudi Arabian club 17 million euro. His now former Chelsea teammate Hakim Ziyech is on the brink of joining him in Saudi Arabia at Cristiano Ronaldo's club Al-Nassr. Kalidou Koulibaly and Ngolo Kanté have already joined Saudi clubs from Chelsea this summer. Connected to Chelsea UEFA today closing a loophole that's allowed clubs spend massive fees but remain within the bounds of financial fair play starting from this summer clubs will have have a maximum of five years to pay off transfer fees. Chelsea had signed the likes of Enzo Fernandez and Michaela Mudrick in January, with those deals allowed to be amortised over seven and eight-year periods. The law will not be backdated, so those transfers will still be uh, valid. Clubs can still sign players, of course, on long-term contracts, but the money has to be dished out within those five allotted years. Interesting.
2: That would suggest Chelsea, you know, as much as we mock them
3: Maybe, maybe
2: that was a smart enough thing to do.
3: If you're Mudrick, you're probably thinking, thankfully I got inside just before these rules yeah. changed. We had Matt Slater
2: on last night, by the way, talking about the Saudi Pro League and where exactly it's all headed. Uh, it's a really good piece. He's, he's you know, Matt's almost um, unmatched, I would say, when it comes to understanding the business of football. So he explains all that really well. And he doesn't think, I know there is the fairly easy to contrive conspiracy that... Chelsea are owned by Clear Lake, which is Todd Bowley, and they're this investment fund generally. The Saudi piF has invested in Clear Lake, so by taking Chelsea players for exorbitant fees, they're protecting their investment in Chelsea via Clear Lake, and he doesn't see it that way. He explains why in great detail he doesn't think that's a straightforward um a line to draw or or certainly that's correct to draw it but um on the Saudi pro League, yeah, he's interesting on it it's um It doesn't have delusions of grandeur. It doesn't think it's going to become, you know, like we're taking over golf. We're going to take over football now. It doesn't think it's going to become akin to the Premier League. But certainly uh, it does envisage itself becoming the best league in Asia. There is a kind of opium of the masses vibe as well. You know, it's a football mad country. So uh, there's that and uh, it's just part of their general... Flex, which is ongoing. A
1: lot of players heading there as well should oh, yeah. be undersold. Look, but a lot of players that are heading there, sorry Joe, are Muslim as well. There's he mentioned that. Sev- yeah, yeah, there's been several of them so far. I've been, like, Kareem Benzema made a made a, made a a very strong point of that so when, uh, when he signed future, up over there. Yeah. Koulibaly as well um, and, and and there will be others. I mean, yeah. that, that shouldn't be undersold either. But there well, that's is... That's a great point, like, Matt, I, saying I w- that, yeah. I would raise issues with the likes of Ruben Neves heading there whereby a club are paying over the odds for a player with uh, a year left on his contract Um, and like they're paying over the market value for what a European club would play and yet like in the case of Neves you could probably draw conclusions about his his agents and the people who are running Wolves Um, so there are deals like that that would have a deal of scepticism over but there I don't think there's one hard and fast rule for why players are going to Saudi Arabia uh, aside from large amount of cash but there are other mitigating factors certainly in mm. play there. I don't think that it's just, you can't make sweeping generalisations about everybody heading there.
3: Jerry wonders do you dream in colour? <laughs> I do but I heard people who dream in black and white. Yeah. As as this is a regular thing yeah. I do dream in colour though yeah.
2: Have they established if dogs are dreaming when they're running in their sleep or is that just some kind of physiological response?
3: You're not the man to ask. I'm not sure there's been uh, detailed studies on this, Joe, but... There definitely have been. Of course there have. I I think they're definitely thinking of something. I know my dog definitely is like running and barking when he's asleep oftentimes. The first thing I'm Googling during the ad break is do dogs
2: dream? I bet you they say they do. Um... Well, we'll find out. Uh, I I guarantee there's been
3: studies. I I did read a study that apparently, you know, the way dogs can identify other dogs, apparently that's less visual and more so uh, the smell that they get from other dogs. So they identify the animal as opposed to... Because I was reading this, is there an idea that they know that their human is actually a human as opposed to being another dog? And apparently they are familiar that you're a different species, but yet you can still be allowed into their pack. I did read about that study earlier. Right?
1: Okay. Apparently, yeah, as as dogs fall asleep after about 20 minutes, they, they enter REM sleep, uh, which usually begins then around for the average dog. While dreaming, a dog's breathing may become shallow and irregular and muscles may twitch. Some people may describe this as chasing rabbits in their sleep. But yeah, uh, we don't nah. know what they dream about, but it's I nice think they thought. are dreams, yeah. Richie just go. knew that,
2: by the way. He's basically <laughs> AI. <laughs> All uh, Chat, Richie. We are out of time. Richie, thank you very much. Nice and lads. Will, thank you.
3: Cheers up.
0: Half time, first... The first sentence that I said, like, if you have fear of failure, you will not succeed. You must have the guts to fail to succeed.
1: Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app.